0: Hi, everyone. This is Brian Kilmeade. You may know me from Fox News channels, Fox & Friends, and more, and the Brian Kilmeade Radio Show. Now I'm excited to share my new book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and Their Battle to Save America's Soul. It's about the little-known story of how two American heroes and patriots disagreed, united, and changed the course of history and made America free for all. It's available now wherever books are sold. to Mad Dogs and Englishman. Uh, Before we get started, because Charlie and I are actually going to, uh, I think, have a a fairly pointed disagreement about something for a change. I should point out that I am going to be traveling next week and probably there won't be a podcast. So before any of you people think that after us disagreeing, we stop doing the podcast Uh. at a peak. I just think there's probably not going to be one next week. I'm going to try to make myself available for it, but it's going to be hard to uh, get it scheduled. So, um, how to start? I guess I'll start this way. How long were you in Florida before you just decided to become a votary of Yahooism?
1: I have had the view that I don't really care what people say about even two presidents my whole time at NR. We should Hmm. perhaps give people the backdrop here. Yes, why don't you? Well, I wrote a piece saying that this meltdown, my word, over this Let's Go Brandon chant is needless. It's silly. People's response to it, in the press especially, but on the left, much as people's responses to criticism of Trump and profanity toward Trump is is silly. And it's, it's just silly? something I just don't care about. Um it's, it's maybe the thing I care about the least. I am concerned about violence, stalking, and the encroachment of politics into apolitical spaces. Mm-hmm. For example, people going up to Mitch McConnell at a restaurant and shouting at him.
0: But, but isn't that precisely what we're talking about here? Well, uh, The we, encroachment we, of politics into the sporting events. In
1: we are, times. and we aren't. As I wrote in the piece, I I don't like as a matter of taste if it indeed happened. This Southwest pilot saying, "Let's go, Brandon," but the responses and the analysis that I wrote about are just ridiculous in their in their breadth in their, in their tone. I mean, we have a big free country. And since before it was a country, people and politicians have spoken about each other in the rudest and most hyperbolic terms. And although I don't do that myself, at least not often, it strikes me as a good outward sign of an attitude toward power that is unusual in all of human history. And I think to fret about it is to miss the the broader point, which is we're not serfs and we have not just the right but the duty to disrespect our leaders if we think they are worthy of disrespect.
0: And yeah, if- I think you would have I think you would have let me interrupt for just one sure, second. I think sure. you'd have a better case there if we were talking about making a special exception for talking about the president, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people going to football games and chanting these vulgarities. Well, so it's one thing if you go, you know, if you go buy a ticket for a, a comedy show for some, you know, politically so. interested comic and then go out complaining that he said rude things about the president, that would be silly. Or if you open up the pages of national review or a Jameson book, and you find some pointed and sometimes abusive criticism of political figures and say, well, we can't do this because they're special people because they are in politics. But that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about the very thing that you say you don't want to see more of, which is the kind of forcible uh, recruitment of people into these ridiculous uh, group therapy sessions of people, you know, shouting obscenities and euphemisms for obscenities Um in public places, they don't have anything to do with politics. So the very same people who were bitching and moaning about Colin Kaepernick, you know, politicizing what's supposed to be a communal, non-political experience in the form of a football game are now the very people out there doing the same thing. And I think that it's wrong to put the onus on people who are complaining about it, as you do here, Charlie. Uh, the problem with bad behavior is that it's bad behavior, not that people react to it. Now, some people may react too strongly to it or sanctimoniously to it or hypocritically to it. That, that's that's absolutely the case in a lot of um, instances, but when people are doing things specifically designed to gather attention to themselves, and then you say, "Well, why do you bother to notice that?" You know, why do you notice this thing that I designed for you to no, notice? Why I'm are you not paying attention to this why thing? But you notice. Have... I'm saying that no, you are. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm you not. I'm saying I don't. Themselves into a Yes, over because it, I don't you know. think
1: that it is particularly bad behavior. That's our disagreement. It's not that I think people have noticed. If I thought it were bad behavior, then. I wouldn't think people were uh, working themselves up into a lather over nothing. I would think they were working themselves up into a lather over something. uh,
0: Your kids to a restaurant or an amusement park for a birthday party. And people came in there and started chanting F Joe Biden. You wouldn't think that was bad behavior?
1: Have there been any incidents of that?
0: You don't think people bring their kids to college football games or sporting events? See, I don't believe for a second that you don't care about standards of public behavior. And that's what we're talking about here.
1: I think that the existence of... I'll give you of, a second to, okay.
0: to recover your thoughts there, Charlie. No, i am I'm trying to think
1: your question through. <laughs> I know. I'm just teasing you. I mean... Unless your argument is that there is something more appropriate about staging plays in which the president is assassinated, I, mean, I understand Julius yes, Caesar is written, or Absolutely you is. know New York Times stories about him being shot by the Secret Service, or Robert De Niro standing at the Tony Awards and just saying "F Trump," or you know, uh, parade. But even if I
0: didn't think there were differences in some of these things, though so not all of these things. Putting on a politically-themed uh, play, I think, is a very different thing from inject injecting politics into a um, into a non-political event. But even if these things were bad in the same way, this is just whataboutism. You know, this, no, uh, it
1: is. But you and I aren't taking uh, a whataboutist position in that you think that this is bad in all circumstances. And I almost never do. So as I, so I wrote in my response to you, I, I don't think you're being selective or hypocritical or special pleading. <laughs> I just think that you're more worried about this than I am. Um, and, you know, I do think that the response to it is worse, yeah. I mean, as I say, I don't want our airlines to be politicised, but I think people trying to gain access to the cockpit because they heard something they don't like is is worse. I don't think that... Um, You know, this is a particularly intelligent way of criticizing the Biden administration. But the idea, as Dana Milbank said, that this is, you know, and who's not nobody and is writing in the Washington Post, this is all conservatives have. It's just completely absurd. Just as it was absurd when people on the MAGA side of things said, and they did say, well, look, all the left has is hatred of Trump or or, or they're just worried about his tweets. They weren't. But they were also... Um, willing to be profane about the guy. And
0: it just. Maybe this is is where we actually disagree, because I kind of think both sides are basically right about those things. In what sense? I think that that basically all of our political conversation is about ritualized uh, tribal hatred.
1: No. It's not about
0: policies. And it's not really about uh, much of anything having to do with any kind of issue of real political substance. It's I hate these people and people like these people. And these people aren't people like me. And therefore, we want to engage in these episodes of ritual public humiliation in order to establish our social dominance over them. That's all this crap is about.
1: See, I don't think that at all. I think this sits on top of- Well, you're wrong,
0: Charlie. Well, I mean, I'm
1: I'm inspired (laughs) by you, who wrote uh, um, maybe a year, a year and a half ago, that the Democrats uh, seem to believe- Uh, that opposition to them is motivated by nothing when, in fact, we have a 50-50 nation. And when you have a 50-50 nation, it's going to sort into parties and factions that oppose each other, and there's going to be Mm -hmm. some pushback. I don't think that's all fake. I think this is the product of that. And I think that, in fact, we've become so uh, opposed to one another, and the parties have sorted, uh, and the geography, to some extent, has sorted, and institutions have sorted, in such a way that there is going to be a far more polarized um cultural way of processing those underlying differences. So, no, I don't think this is about nothing. And I think that it was, you know, just as it was silly. Well,
0: I'm not saying it's about nothing. I'm saying it's not no, about I what it purports to be no, about. No,
1: I think it is about that. But I think that people take uh, this... Um extreme approach, uh, an extreme approach that, for what it's worth, I've consistently defended for 10 years. I mean, if you go back and you look, for example, at my writing about uh, the the tendency in 2013-2014 on the left in the Democratic Party to describe any Republican opposition in the House of Representatives as hostage-taking, bomb-throwing, and so on, I wrote a piece about this saying civility is overrated. It doesn't bother me in the slightest that they talk about this. But what is wrong with it is just that it's wrong. You know, in the same way as it's wrong, if someone on the right says that... uh, I'm trying to think of a more moderate Democratic senator who's not Joe Manchin. Let's say...
0: at least cinema right well fine it says kirsten
1: (laughs) cinema is a socialist right there's nothing wrong with saying that it's not uncivil it's just factually incorrect and likewise it is just factually incorrect to describe congressional opposition to the president as bomb throwing and hostage taking but you know i I didn't have a particular problem with it people were, and you know you're going to say you use the phrase not me but This this is me doing my pearl clutching thing again, but there was a lot of pearl clutching about it. Oh my God, how have we sunk so low? Are you kidding me? Have you? I mean, I know you're not saying this, but has anyone ever read any American history? This is how (laughs) Americans talk. And they also say outrageous things. And they said outrageous things during the founding, and they said outrageous things during the early republic, especially during the early republic. And they said outrageous things in the 1970s and the 1990s. And they say outrageous things now. And, you know, I paused earlier. You were right uh, to point it out. But I paused earlier because, yeah, I don't like all of it. Um, and no, I wouldn't always want my children to, to hear it. Although, Let's Go, Brandon, is actually a fairly clever way of getting around that, which I imagine is why it's caught on. It also exposes I think
0: the bar for clever has gone down a little Well, bit b- because it exposes
1: media hypocrisy, right? Which is I think also you're guilty of it.
0: the soft bigotry of very low expectations.
1: Right. But, but there is a difference between saying that and saying, you know, F Joe Biden. Is um, there really? Yes, there is. I mean, it, it it is a euphemism. We we have euphemisms in our language for a reason, and
0: yes, and that reason is cowardice.
1: Well, it, it it's cowardice, but it's also different contexts. I mean, for example, I will use different words when talking about certain things with my wife if my children are in earshot. It's not because I was mm. going to be profane otherwise. It's because I don't necessarily want them um, to know what we're talking about, or it's just. Uh, I mean, we do it all the time. You, you you don't talk around your friends in the same way you talk at a dinner party. So I'm going to pop to the loo. I mean, that's a euphemism. It's it's not cowardice.
0: <laughs> it's just context. I'm pretty sure I've never in my life said I'm going to pop to well, the loo.
1: <laughs> anyway, if, if if you if you note what I wrote, I did not say this is great. I love it. I said I don't care, and that is my position. I just I don't care. It is so far down. The list of things that I would care about, get head up about, want to eradicate from our culture mm. and and I, I think you should care I know you do, but that's I'm just saying I, I want to be clear about this I'm not saying it's massively witty. this is how we should all talk to each other. I mean, I have what eleven years now of public statements, I think people know how I engage in politics and how i don't, but that's our debate is whether one should care or not,
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think it matters how uh, people behave. I think it matters what our standards of public behavior are, especially when it touches on things related to citizenship and the exercise of our duties as citizens, even if it's uh, taking into account the uh, sentiments and feelings and comfort of the people around us when it comes to uh, political events.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think your strongest argument is the sporting events – you know, being an inappropriate venue, but, but we're, you know, we're now reading articles in which it is argued with a straight face that the phrase itself is a Zeke Heil. (laughs) I mean, Hmm.
0: it's just so silly. Yeah. But other people's dumb arguments don't have anything to do with my smart arguments.
1: Well, they, they do have something to do with your smart arguments in that I was responding to people who I think are missing the, you know the the forests of for the trees here, hmm. and and they do yeah, every there time. Are. There's a president they like, and and again, I mean, I could have written this three years ago, and
0: and I sure, and it always it goes flies back and forth.
1: And and I didn't write about it because I wasn't writing as much, but I did complain about this on the podcast, the editors' podcast, a lot. Is this this this, this you know this simultaneous conception of Donald Trump as this sort of <laughs> Avatar of masculinity, but also someone who should be treated with the utmost of respect all time. Right.
0: Why worry about that? Can we that? talk a minute about how much he likes the soundtrack from Cats? <laughs> how <weird that> is. <laughs> yeah, I know there's there's just like you know idea of Trump as this you know super uh, virile character. <laughs> Have you seen his apartment? Yeah, <laughs> and gold leafing and no, the in the, so the putti frescoes and the soundtrack from cats playing in the background. I mean, uh this is yeah, this is some post liberashi uh, type stuff, but set that aside for the moment. You're right absolutely that people will go back and forth almost depending on their feeling about the uh president. And uh, which, of course, is really what a lot of this stuff ultimately is all about, is the idea of the president is kind of a national tribal mascot. And if your guy is not in there, then your tribe is down. If your guy is in there, then your tribe is up. And you may rejoice and be happy. And that half of the country or 45 percent of the country can't be happy at any time because right. we have the wrong kind of president, which, of course, is just crazy. Um but this is an extension of that craziness. not an antidote to it. It's extending that craziness into places where it wasn't before and doesn't belong, where maybe we should resist its colonization of these places.
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, again, I paused when you mentioned my kids, but I, I'm not even sure I agree with that, at least for adults, in that I think the context does matter. I mean, I express discomfort at this happening on an airplane. Less discomfort than people trying to storm the cockpit, but, but discomforted about it happening on an airplane. And I would not want this, for example, to be something somebody did at the White House or at a 9-11 memorial. But NASCAR in Alabama, I'm not sure I'd invest that much. <laughs> Maybe that's low bigotry of, uh, bigotry of low expectations again. But, I mean, NASCAR, I like NASCAR. I've been to NASCAR. But you sit there and drink beer and watch Fast Cars and eat chicken. I mean, how how much should that matter? This is not... You know, this is not church. And I know you it think is. there's... Well, it, <laughs> and again, you mentioned mobs, and I really loathe mobs, but I don't loathe mobs because they shout things. I loathe mobs because they do things.
0: Hmm. Shouting is doing something.
1: Yes, but shouting doesn't hurt me.
0: But I think there's a question of who they're shouting out and why.
1: And the and, idea and the answer here is that sort a president of... who is very safe and sconced a long way away.
0: No, no, no. Nothing to do with the president. It has to do with the people around them. This is a form of social aggression of trying to establish a kind of dominance over public spaces for your voice and your ideas. And that's why I think it's particularly bad citizenship. It's one thing to disagree with people and vote different ways or to disagree with them at a political debate. But then to say, if you're going to be in a public space with me, we're going to predominate the space and we're going to do it by shouting at you and shouting you down and, and engaging this sort of, you know, ritualistic mob activity, which I think should always be resisted because it's contemptible and it's bad for society. Yeah, I can see the argument. And it's been around for a long time. You're right. I mean, there are people standing outside George Washington's residence uh, threatening to drag him out of the house and, uh, and run him through the streets. And they were a ridiculous rabble, too, and should have been treated as such just because it was a long time ago doesn't change much, I don't think. And and you point out that, you know, presidential uh, elections at one point were at least as rough as they are now, in some ways rougher. And there was a lot of dishonesty, a lot of just outright lies uh, being spread around about various candidates and things. And those were lies and lies are lies, you know, and lies are dishonest and disreputable and should be treated as such. And just because lies have been around for a long time doesn't mean that they gain some sort of, you know, quasi respectability for having survived. Uh, for being a tradition. Now, at this point, you know, our tradition of, of political dishonesty, it doesn't make a lie any less of a lie. And I think that we have a responsibility to recognize these things as such and treat them as such. Treat bad behavior as such. And not pretend like it's the fault of people who are uh, bothered by
1: it. No, I didn't say it was the fault of people who are bothered by it. I said they shouldn't be bothered by it and that I'm not bothered by it. And it, it is not my argument for what it's worth that Charlie, you just
0: contradicted yourself, by the way, because when you say they shouldn't be bothered by it, you're saying literally that it's a fault that they are bothered by it.
1: Right, but I'm not blaming them for noticing bad behavior. I'm saying that I don't care about it. I don't consider it worthy of You're not, not just saying you don't
0: care about it, you're saying they shouldn't care about it. Yeah. So you're right. faulting them for it.
1: Yeah, I, I guess if you want to be semantic about it, but that is different than
0: saying that, that <laughs>
1: they're to blame. Well,
0: in the sense of speaking English and using No, the
1: no, I, I don't think that's right. I, I think that you know you, you you said in your corner post that in in other circles you know that that it was a form of moral deflection right but mm. but it I, is. yeah but that only works if i think there's a serious moral fault and i'm excusing it away but what i'm saying is i i think it's a a, a nothing i i i think it's just not worthy of attention i i don't mm. it it's not that i'm saying look that guy killed that other guy let's let's ignore it or look that guy killed that other guy how dare you notice i'm saying this is a um flotsam it, it and and you know you're right that just because it's happened for a long time it doesn't make it objectively good but it does make it more like flotsam and this isn't some some aberration in america um this is a a thing that um, Americans do with their presidents. They'd say far more hideous things than this, usually. And again, in the grand sweep of history, I think that's good. (laughs) Just because the alternative is so much worse. And I actually do think that when you cultivate too much of... A culture of so-called civility, you can do yourself harm, and I, I suppose this is where we we disagree on this because I understand what you're saying, that in a sense you're not de-escalating the imperial presidency, um, you're contributing to it. But after a certain point, I mean that's true of anything. I mean, if I stand up and make a speech about it, I'm I'm contributing to it. I'm I'm interacting with it. And I think puncturing powerful people with um, more than just wit, uh, but with a popular cultural, even if it's straight up invective, hmm. I think there is a function. I think there is. a Yeah, but a I think that's beside that.
0: the point here because I don't think this is really about the president or people expressing views about the president. This is about people bullying their neighbors in public
1: i mean i I suppose, in a sense, we're going to go round and round here because I don't understand and maybe this is my fault, but I don't understand why people would feel bullied by it because I just don't see it as being a really very important <clears throat> i mean the you know the in St Augustine, every day there's these people, and they stand on the bridge with their anti-vaccine signs.
0: For a second, I thought you were actually in Go to St Augustine. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, way to elevate the conversation there, Cook. In St well, Augustine,
1: then. Florida, that and, and you know, there's always traffic on the bridge, so you have to read them for twenty minutes.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, is that bullying me? Where's the line? I just don't care about it. That's hmm. a, a genuine question. Is that a bad analogy? Is it different in some way? I don't know. Yeah,
0: I think there's a difference between holding
1: placards and, and screaming. Well, I mean, they shout too, but yeah. maybe screaming is a
0: different category. Yeah, and there's also a difference between, I think, people passing by in public spaces and people at events. I mean, maybe we're drawing the lines a little too fine here, but I do think that socially those are, are different kinds of contexts and they feel differently to people.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this isn't this isn't a, a rally and cry to join in. I'm not a joiner. I don't chant anything. I mean, mm. I just, I, I just don't care about it, and I don't understand focusing on it when it's the background noise.
0: Mm. But can't you understand why people would care about it? can't you understand why people would feel um I
1: mean I can comprehend your argument. This? I don't think that it's a stupid argument. I I I, yeah. I, I think it's a totally fair argument. I just don't
0: i <laughs> put yourself in the position of say a, someone who is uh you know a mild and inoffensive Biden voter uh at one of these events maybe with his wife and kids and surrounded by people who start these chants do you understand why he would well, find this of course uncomfortable, I, inappropriate? Of course
1: I can understand that. Bad behavior. I mean, I live in Florida. So I, I'm a DeSantis voter. I don't think the guy's perfect, but I voted for him. I'm going to vote for him again. And you cannot move. You cannot move in popular culture without DeSantis. Look at the Florida governor. He's killing it. It's not just politics. It's not just the New York Times. We're letting half, you vote? Half the stuff that I believe in every day is assailed by... The TV shows I watch, the mm. b- musicians that I like, athletes—if it comes to it, I, okay. <laughs> in fact, I don't think you can be a conservative and and not in what should be in a perfect world, apolitical spaces. And again, I'm drawing distinction here because where I really would would be upset about this is if somebody went, you know, into don't know Yeah, uh, uh, you know, the confessional <laughs> sort of started saying don't vote for this person but you cannot move in our popular culture without uh, being told you're this that or the other i mean it's going to happen tomorrow mm. right so
0: tomorrow it's gonna happen today
1: yeah but tomorrow <laughs> if the election in virginia is either close or if yunkin wins lots of your mild-mannered Probably, largely apolitical young voters are going to be assailed in the culture and told they're racists. It's already started. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I don't like that, and I wouldn't Shouldn't do it we myself. It? Yeah, but I also
0: don't care. Shouldn't we oppose it on our side? But it's the well, wallpaper. Which is it? Should we oppose it, or do you not care? It's got to be one or the other. If, if you don't care, then there's no point in opposing it. Well, I suppose I'm not that interested
1: in. I mean, outside of my job, which is to argue politics, I suppose I'm not interested in. In in opposing it so much, as I say, like, um, won't wouldn't indulge in it myself. I just mm. think it's become white noise.
0: Oh, you would say white noise. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that was a reasonably full and frank exchange. And by the way, on this subject, one more thing. One Go reason ahead.
1: why I would draw a distinction to answer that question: Why not oppose it? One reason why I would probably write about one and not care about the other, and this would have held just as true during the Trump years, or the Bush years, is that in the one instance, you have powerful and influential people pointing at... uh, Bystanders and saying the reason you voted the way you did is that you 're a contemptible racist and and i I feel some compulsion to write no actually that 's not what happened here, but in the case of the president i don't, and i didn't with Trump, which is why I wrote pieces saying actually i don 't think that all Trump voters are insert epithets here, but why yeah. I just did not bother when Robert de Niro stood up and said. You know, F Donald Trump, I, it just wouldn't have occurred to me to say, Oh, how dare you speak about that about this man who with his security detail and his money. I, I just and I'm not saying I'm not indulging in that punch up, punch down thing that the left does. Mm. I, I think truth is truth. But I do think that in, in, in a culture where the president is this powerful, the idea that I would get het up about people shouting, I'm just I just don't know. Mm.
0: Yeah, again, I would I would add that I just don't think it's really about the president so much. I think it's about how we treat one another. And uh I maintain that remains an important issue. Um what else did we want to talk about today? There was one other thing that's on.
1: The temporary hero Joe Manchin.
0: Yeah, I kind of got one right for a change, right? <laughs> and, um, uh sort of just standing in the way, and not much happening. So uh God bless the United States Senate and the ancient constitutional order uh, of the Senate keeping stuff from getting done, which is the one it's there for. Uh, I'm not a huge Joe Manchin fan, as you uh, know. It's sort of a, you know, walk tall among the dwarves sort of thing with him. He is the uh, maybe the most publicly sensible uh, member of his party at the moment in Congress anyway, but that is not saying a whole heck of a lot. Uh, But yeah, it's good to watch stuff getting derailed, not happen. Uh, It's pleasurable to see.
1: Do you uh, think he'll stand by his convictions?
0: Well, I think historically you'd be a fool to bet on that. Yeah, I do. Um, too. In the case of any politician from from either party. Um, Joe Manchin is someone who uh, he's a very old fashioned kind of politician in some ways, in that he's made it pretty clear that he's got a price. Um, I don't mean that in a corrupt way. I mean, that's what you know politicians, particularly senators, do. They have a great deal of power to obstruct um, in the way they deploy that power is by waiting to get bought off in some way with, you know, some sort of thing that's supposedly at least in the interest of their state and their constituents. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Mansion's price ends up being. You know, another thing, interesting thing about Manchin, um, gosh, and this is, uh, I have to be careful how I put this. I don't want to put Mansion in the situation of Southern senators in the 1930s in the progressive era who were racist and segregationist. That's not what I'm saying, but he's actually a little like those characters in a sense that he is, um, you know, someone who is essentially sold on the basics of the progressive vision of governance. Um, someone who has pretty strong welfare status tendencies, I think, uh, someone who is, um, you know, generally pretty well disposed toward uh, organized labor and and that sort of thing. Um, But within limits that are um, attached to a kind of conservative sensibility in his state and among his constituents. In this case, expressed more about, you know, the financial cost of these things than about, you know, these sort of racial revanchist stuff that was the case in the early 20th century with Southern Democrats. But I think there's a... A familiar kind of position of being that um, conservative, in a sense, Democrat, um, even though he is pretty well sold philosophically on the um, progressive agenda. Don't you think? Yeah. I'm trying to think of another good example of that. Um, But I can't think of one off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I mean, he also has some ideological objections to what he calls a dependency culture. Yeah. So I agree with you. I I think he is bought in on a lot of it, but I think he can see it's, well, in fact, maybe it's easier to define him by his limits in that he's bought in on some of it, but he sees its limits because he thinks that there are limits because he doesn't want to remake the world. And one of the things he keeps saying is he doesn't want to target people vindictively. Yeah. So he's practical in the sense that he looks at people who have money and says, we will need to take some of that in order to do these things. Whereas a lot of Democrats increasingly say, the entire system that permitted them to have any money in the first place is rotten and we need to burn it to the ground. And I think Manchin finds that, and perhaps this is also a function of his age, but I think he finds that absolutely incomprehensible.
0: Yeah. How old is he, anyways? 75. He's 76, yeah. 76, yeah. Increasingly, that doesn't sound that old. <laughs> Maybe that's just uh, biography speaking there. Well, we, we, what do have we think about relentless. What do we think about cinema and all
1: this? Well, we still don't know. My suspicion is that she doesn't want this to pass, that she just wants the infrastructure bill she negotiated.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly I, I find myself in an unfamiliar position, but. Um, of, of, of kind of finding myself nodding along with a lot of traditional feminist critiques of attitudes toward women in public life. There was an essay, I think it was in Slate the other day, about why we should talk about how Senator Cinema dresses and what her body looks like and this sort of thing. And a lot of the criticism uh, of cinema is oriented that way from the left, not from the right. Um, you know, she's some sort of a attention seeker who dresses in a flashy way or an inappropriate way because she wants people to pay attention to her and her politics are an extension of that, you know, as though she's just not allowed to have her own ideas about things, particularly coming from, from a, from a state that is not an overwhelmingly uh, democratic state. You know, it's natural that she's going to be a little more uh, centrist than say a Democrat from Connecticut or New Jersey even though earlier in her career, she had a more kind of radical affect, I think. It's, um, yeah, there's this real strong sense of, you know, you're not allowed to be that because uh, because you're a woman and you're you're expected to uh, go along with what we do. And if not, you're going to be abused in these particular terms that um, we always accuse the other side of deploying. Anything that's weird?
1: Yeah. And there was another one I saw that said she'd let down bisexuals oh no mm-hmm. i forget where this was published but it was somewhere major possibly nbc sorry to nbc it wasn't that mm-hmm. she had you know that she's supposed to think in a certain way
0: because she's bisexual is nbc the national bisexual coalition talking <laughs> about? Or? or that television network that's what yeah okay yeah but i, I forgot they existed yeah. it's
1: really absurd to think like that and what's <laughs> at what point did your sexual, I don't know what the correct term is these days, orientation, preference, proclivities? Identity. At what, identity. At what point did, yes. did that have any bearing on <laughs> the budget? I mean, it's just ridiculous. For
0: sure, for sure. Yeah. There's got to be a good joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to be the one to make it, I don't think, or to to locate it. Uh, what else is in the news? I'm off to the UK, write about climate. What should I do? who should i talk to hmm. what should my what angles should i be exploring well i
1: think joe scotland. biden nearly fell asleep
0: yesterday in the opening I think he actually did fall asleep it looked like
1: i've never identified with the man more
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be uh drinking plenty of coffee i think to uh, keep myself awake well it's whiskey
1: if you're into that scotland
0: yeah that's true i'm afraid uh that's that's mostly gotta be in the past for me, Charlie. Yeah. Oh. Causes me to break out in handcuffs.
1: I won't pretend <laughs> I never heard that phrase. I um I won't pretend that uh coffee is Scotland's finest product, but um I'm sure you can get it. There's Nescafe everywhere, Nescafe is good enough. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. That'll um, where you are you flying Starbucks into? In Scotland, London sure. and then going
0: up on the train? Uh, no, I'm flying from from Heathrow to uh, Glasgow. I, I kind of wanted to take the train, but there was and is a threat of a railway strike. That's right, yeah. Um, and I think the truck drivers are going to be on strike and the garbage collectors are already on strike. And um, it's going to be a mess. You know, I was thinking about this um, in the context of the Tokyo Olympics, which I didn't really watch. And because I don't care about the Olympics very much. But um, you really see a kind of, I think, a, a difference in in political culture where, um, you know, Tokyo is putting on the Olympics in these very difficult circumstances and it's the 2020 Olympics, even though it's 2021 and there's all the COVID stuff still going on, but there seems to be this attitude or seem to be this attitude of, you know, we're going to use this as an opportunity to show that we can perform at a high level and deal with these adverse conditions and, and show the world what we can do. And I think that's a really healthy kind of cultural attitude to have. Whereas in Glasgow, it's well, the world's attention is on our city right now, so we're going to figure out how we can shut things down and use it to our advantage to get an extra three percent in our wages this year, yeah, and I think that's a really destructive and unhealthy kind of politics, but I think it's a more common one.
1: Glasgow is a rough city
0: it's that's what I hear,
1: yeah, I've never been there uh I have also never been there,
0: yeah, you know uh. But rough by what standards, I was writing about this uh, earlier, and I i forget what the context was. You know, I was in Marseille a couple of years ago, and Marseille is um, a really high crime city by European standards and by French standards. Uh, something like a third of the murders in all of France happened in Marseille, and its murder rate is about the same as Provo, Utah. Yeah, um,
1: it's also <laughs> awesome. I love
0: Marseille. That's a cool city. Um, I like that whole region. You know, my wife makes fun of me because I, I said I wanted to go there because it's the the Houston of Europe, and, uh, but it, but it is. You know, it's an interesting port city with a really uh, kind of you know global and cosmopolitan culture. And uh, I had a good time there. I like Marseille. I, uh, but I it would... doesn't feel like you know Milan or Zurich or someplace like that. You know, it certainly feels like a place with more graffiti and more. Uh, uh, of a feel of street crime about it oh, i didn't see any street crime
1: no i mean the, the the most sinister thing about that area is it's not the crime as you say it's that it's the stronghold of the national front so marseille marignac orange that whole part of the toulon um, yeah I,
0: I, I was reading something about this the other day my understanding is the city of marseille is still pretty lefty but yes, it's yes. sort of countryside around there
1: yeah, and, and if you drive to Toulon, which is the port, which the, the British yeah. actually bombed in um, World War Two, because that's where the once, French but... Navy was... <laughs> oh, well, we, we we scuttled the French Navy, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was at Toulon, or maybe it was... Anyhow, uh, if you drive from Marignac up to, to, to Toulon, uh, it is very rural. But here's the thing that people miss. Because they think instinctively... That, as in Britain and the United States, that the the sort of National Front um, voter um, must be a redneck. They miss hmm. how wealthy <laughs> that yeah. movement, because you know, in America, if if you start looking into the equivalence of the National Front, I mean, you, you look for people with seven teeth called Cletus, right? I mean, it's the it's the Dave Chappelle joke the same in britain if you look at um the the bnp i mean they they're people from poor backgrounds they're poorly educated um the weird thing about the the sort of right-wing french um, strongholds is that they're beautiful and wealthy <laughs> monarchists like, well that's part of it that's part of it but but i mean it was just strange when i re- went to write that piece 4 years ago for the magazine mm. You know, I, I was driving around these areas and all these people with their Marine Le Pen signs and immigrants out signs and they have Audis and BMWs and the, you know, Porsches. I was just like, wow, this is, this is the most upscale. <laughs> <laughs> and the other weird part about that for what it's worth is that the the Marine Le Pen um and, and, and previously Jean Marine Le Pen movement is kind of economically socialist so it's, it's yeah. just a strange confusing
0: movement Well I'm glad you were able to endure that trip to the south of France and come out of it relatively unscathed
1: I, It was tough It was tough At one point <laughs> I, I managed to stay in a Relais château in uh, the south of France because they had a deal on and um,
0: yeah I, I've recovered it took a while yeah, we spent a few days in Nice, and uh, I could spend, stand to spend a little more time there. Yeah. It wasn't wow. too bad at all.
1: I miss the country. I haven't been for f- almost five years.
0: Yeah, well, me either. And it's uh, been, been a while since I've uh, been to uh, that part of the world. Looking forward to getting back to it. Although right now, travel is pretty anxiety-inducing, i got to tell you. All the stuff I have to do to go to Scotland is just uh, bonkers. Even though the British government has let off on some of this stuff, like I don't even have, to have to, I don't have to be tested now, um, if you can show that you're vaccinated. But um, but you have to be tested every day for the uh, UN conference and yeah. that stuff. well, that's so love uh, bureaucracy. Those people. Good lord, uh, nuts! All right, I probably will not talk to you next week, but I'll try to talk to you next week.
1: Well, enjoy. I look forward to your dispatches from from the uh, country north of the border. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> All right, bye.